Well, this morning I want to welcome our Missouri City family with us. We're so grateful that you're a part of the service and our guys from the Darrington unit and all of you who are listening in on the internet and our Sugar Land campus. Together, we are Sugar Creek Baptist Church, and we're grateful that you are a part of this service. There was a young guy, a young uh, man who was uh, going into business, and he was talking to a guy who had been wildly successful in business, and he asked him, could you just help me, what is the secret of your success? And the guy said, well, there's two, two words, and that is wise decisions. The guy said, oh yeah, wise decisions, but how do, you, how do you know that you're making wise decisions? And he said, well, it's two words, right experience. Oh, okay, right experience. Well, how do you know when it's, how do you get wise or right experience? How do you get that? And he said two words, dumb mistakes. <laughs> All of us have learned from our mistakes, haven't we? Every one of us, we know if we put our hand in the fire, we're never putting our hand in the fire again. All of us have had times in which we were doing our best, we're trying our best, trying to make the best decision that we could possibly make, but it just didn't turn out the way we had envisioned. All of us have had that experience. All of us have had times in which we made some dumb decisions. Maybe it was way more expensive than we realized. Maybe we, 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 it took far more time than we, we realized. Or maybe it was that we said, we spoke up at the very wrong time at, and said exactly the wrong thing. I don't know how many times that I put my foot in my mouth, and probably none of you have ever had that experience. Well, I'm going to tell you, it is not fun at all. All of us have the ability to make dumb decisions. The challenge of decision-making is absolutely amazing. Tomorrow, for some of you that are listening to me, tomorrow or Tuesday or Wednesday, you are going to be faced with an awesome decision to make. It may even be life-changing decision that you will be faced with, and it's going to feel like it came right out of the blue. You could not see it coming. You say, how do you know that? Because that is life. And if you don't have some awesome decision staring you in the face this week, get ready because it's coming either the next week or the next week or the next week because it's life. And all of us experience these awesome decisions to make, wanting to make the right decision, but sometimes not knowing how. The truth is we make our decisions and then our decisions make us. It is so critical that we understand how to make good decisions. And I, want to, I want to talk to you about that very issue today, how to make better decisions. We're in a series going through James chapter 1, just the first chapter of James in a series entitled Thriving in a Hostile World. This world is hostile especially to, to those who claim the name of Jesus Christ. This is a hostile world. It's a hard world to go through. And if there is anything that we need more than anything else, it is definitely the wisdom of God in our life. And so how do we gain that wisdom? How do we make better decisions? 
Well, you don't have to make all the dumb decisions to make better decisions. You don't have to just learn how to make better decisions by making mistakes. There is another way. James chapter 1, verses 5 to 8, listen to what he says. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when she asks, she must believe and not doubt, because she who doubts is like the wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not think he'll receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man and unstable in all he does. One of the most important things that we can ever get in our life is to get more wisdom, to make better decisions. And that's what I want us to talk about today. Now, the first principle of this, the key component of this, of making good decisions is wisdom. And so, the first thing we ought to talk about is what is wisdom? And the subset of that is what is not wisdom. Wisdom is not just getting more knowledge. Wisdom is not just getting more knowledge. I know there's some people who think, now if I would get a few more degrees in school and I would, I would learn more about information about the world and about the Bible and I could put all those and categorize all that information, I would be wiser. But every one of us have met people who were book smart but had not much common sense, haven't we? And every one of us have known people who knew a lot of the Bible, but they just didn't use the Bible to actually make good, wise decisions. Now, wisdom is the correct use of knowledge. It is the ability to take information, bring it together, get God's perspective on the right way to then use that information. Think of it this way. Wisdom is the ability to know what God would do about your problem and about your question. Now, there's two key principles related to this idea, and the first one is simply this. Wisdom is the ability to discern the most important choice. When we're making choices, it is not just about what is good and what is bad. If it was just what is good and what is bad, decision-making would be a whole lot easier to do. But the truth is, so many of our decisions is actually about what is good, better, or best. And what I've discovered in my life is that Satan is just fine with me selecting what is good as long as I don't select what is best, as long as somehow in the process I, I miss and I lose what God's best was for my life. No, the truth is this. Wisdom gives us the ability to know what is the best so that we will not just settle for what is good. There's a second principle, and it's this. Wisdom is the ability to have the personal character to choose the right thing after we've discovered it. All of us think back in Scripture about so many of the great characters in the Bible, about about. Uh, Joseph from the Old Testament, and Moses, and Joshua, and, and David, and Elijah, and Elisha, and Peter, and John, and all these guys. And we look at these individuals, and we are so impressed by them. We are so amazed, and so respect them. But the reason that we do is because in every one of these guys' lives, they demonstrated wisdom. Not just knowing the right choice, but having the character to actually choose it. Not every time, but oftentimes. Oftentimes, 
the best choice is the hardest one to make. It costs us more than other choices. It is harder to do, but it gives the greatest reward. And there's a great example of that found in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 24, and notice what it says. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, and re he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Now, I want you to grasp what he is actually saying here. He is saying that Moses has now two choices. One is good and one is best. Moses is the grandson of the Pharaoh. That is a great option. He is the grandson of the Pharaoh, which means he is going to have millions and billions of dollars. He, he is going to have opportunities nobody else is going to have. He is going to live in the lap of luxury all of his life. He's going to be appointed to certain things. People are going to know who he is. He had a good option in front of him, the son of Pharaoh's daughter. But Moses also discovered that he was a Hebrew, and he was a part of the people of God. And Moses had an encounter with God and discovered the God of the universe. And the God of the universe had chosen him to be used by God. And now he had a decision to make. Would he choose what is good or would he choose what is best? Now here's the truth. What is best would create all kinds of trouble for him. The people of God, even the passage says, will, are ill-treated by the rest of the world. He would not be adored like he would be as the grandson of the Pharaoh. Rather, he would go through all kinds of hardships and difficulties. It would cost him the most to be associated with the God of the universe. But the retirement plan is out of this world. This is exactly what is going on in the decision-making of Moses. He considered... The reproach of Christ, verse 26, he considered the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Do you see what the verse says? Moses was actually making the decision on the basis of the size of the reward. It was going to be easy to be the grandson of the Pharaoh. He was going to have all of the goodness that the world could possibly give him. He was going to be very hard to be associated with the God of the universe. He would be ill-treated, the passage says. But when he looked at the rewards at the end, he realized that the greatest reward would be to go with God, that the riches of being associated with Jesus Christ, with the God of the universe, was greater than what he would get from the riches of Egypt. Here is Moses, he makes the decision, and the decision is based upon the rewards. 4,000 years ago, Moses died. 4,000 years ago. And for the last 4,000 years, he's been in heaven with Almighty God. 
He knew I could live in the lap of luxury for the next several decades, and then I'm going to die. And then what comes then? Well, for him, it would have been hell. But instead, I choose God. And for the last 4,000 years, he has been in heaven. It turned out just fine for him. But there is another point that, that he did not know. Did you know that if he would have chosen to just stick with Pharaoh, nobody would know his name today. Nobody would have known his name within a, a, a 10 years or 20 years after he had died. No one would have ever heard of him. We don't even know the name of the Pharaoh. But I dare say that two-thirds of the population of this entire world knows the name of Moses today because he went with God and respects Moses and, and, and adores him. Two-thirds of the population, 4,000 years later, knows who Moses is because Moses went with God. This is the point of the passage. When we choose between good and best, the best will end up costing us more. It will be harder to do, but the rewards will be far greater. It's the idea. Wisdom isn't just the ability to say something wise. It is the ability, the character. It is the ability to do the wise thing. It takes character to do what God tells us to do. You put these two ideas together, and it's this. Wisdom is knowing best from God's perspective and having the character to choose it. And God says, I can give you this wisdom. I can give you not just the knowledge of what is the best decision, but I can give you the character to choose to do what you know is the best. So how is it that we gain this wisdom from God? There are three practical steps that James points in our direction. First of all, he says, admit your need. He says in James chapter 1 verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, well, don't we all? But in order to get this wisdom from God, we've got to be willing to admit, God, I don't know the right thing. I do not have your wisdom. Proverbs chapter 11 verse 2 puts it this way, when pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. God says the first thing that's got to happen is that you've got to admit, I need wisdom. I cannot live this life on my own. I can make decisions, but most of the time, the decisions that I make will end up going the wrong direction. Oh God, I need your wisdom. It's to humble ourselves and admit our need. Second of all, to ask. If any person lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. Ask for wisdom. Pray to God. Proverbs chapter 2 verse 6 says, it is the Lord who gives wisdom. From him comes knowledge and understanding. James chapter 4 verse 2 says, you have not because you ask not. 20 times in the New Testament, God says, why don't you just ask me? You can ask me and I will answer. I will give it to you. We must ask. We must acknowledge, oh God, I don't have the wisdom I need. And we must go to God and ask. And the third principle is this. Trust that God will give it to you. Expect an answer in faith. You've got to anticipate an answer. Listen to what James says in James 1, 5, and 6. But if you lack wisdom, ask of God who gives to everyone generously and without reproach, and it will be given 
to you. But let him ask in faith without any doubting. The key phrase, without any doubting. The key to wisdom is prayer, and the condition to the prayer is faith. Let me give you this illustration, the illustration of Peter. Here is Peter, and he's in a boat with the disciples in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, and they're going across the Sea of Galilee when all of a sudden, out of nowhere, comes this horrible storm. This happens on the Sea of Galilee, actually pretty regularly. There are three factors in the topography of that particular area that actually create storms just instantaneously on the Sea of Galilee. One of the trips that I was on in Israel, I was in a boat and one of those storms came. It was pretty scary. It was amazing. All of a sudden, there was the storm that emerged. Here are these disciples, and they are on this boat, and, and they are in the boat, and they're going across the Sea of Galilee, and they are afraid for their lives that they're going to drown, and all of a sudden, here comes someone walking on the water, and it's Jesus, and he identifies himself to them. Don't be afraid. It is me, and they recognized his voice, and Peter said to Jesus, Jesus, if it really is you, Call me to walk on the water to come to you. And Jesus said, come on. And Peter got out of the boat, and he actually walked on water. Isn't that amazing? Wouldn't you love the experience of walking on water? It would be one of the coolest things that you could ever experience. And Peter gets out on the water and walks on water. Did you know that you cannot walk on water as long as you're in the boat? The only way that you can walk on water is to have the faith to get out of the boat. But here's what I also want to say to you. Don't get out of the boat unless Jesus tells you to come. You see, faith isn't doing something crazy and making God kind of pick up the pieces. That is not faith. Faith is doing what God calls you to do. And when God calls you to get out of the boat and walk to him, get out of the boat and walk to him because you're going to be walking on water. It takes a risk to trust God. But God calls us to trust him, get out of the boat and walk. Here is Peter and he is walking on water. And then all of a sudden he looks down, he sees the waves at his feet, he feels the wind going through his hair and he thinks to himself, I really shouldn't be walking on water. I mean, I I don't even know how I'm doing this. And all of a sudden, he then sinks. He looks down. He looks away from Jesus, and he looks down, and he sinks. You and I can experience the miraculous work of God in our life as long as he tells us to do something, and we say yay, and we do what God tells us to do. God will cause us to walk on water, and we will see the work and the miracle of God. Now, what James is talking about, though, is this. Look at what he says in James chapter 1, verse 6. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Let that, not, not that man think he'll receive anything from the Lord because he's a double-minded man and he is unstable in everything he does. Now, what is James talking about? Here is what James is saying. You need wisdom. You acknowledge the fact you need it, and you ask God for it. But when you ask God for wisdom, you cannot have a plan B. 
You can't go to God and say to God, now God, I'm, I, I don't know for sure what I should do about this situation. I've got an idea, so I would love to know what your input is about it. You tell me, and when I hear what you have to say to me, then I'll choose between your way or my way. And God says, no, I'm not going to give you my wisdom because you're double-minded. You got one mind for me, you got one mind for yourself, and I'm not going to answer that. You can only get my wisdom by being willing to say, God, there's only one option, it's yours. And I need your wisdom, and whatever you tell me to do, I will do it. I will trust you so much that I will not have a plan B. Whatever you tell me to do, I will do it. Now, God, would you show me what you want me to do? That's single-mindedness, and that's what James is talking about. You and I do need wisdom. We need to hear from God. But the only way that God will speak to us and give us the wisdom we need is if we're willing to say, God, I'm going with you. No matter what you say, the answer is yes. That is asking in faith. So how do we get it? How does God give us this wisdom? We go to God, oh, God, I need your wisdom. How does God give it to us? When we ask for wisdom, God has promised to give us wisdom when we take seriously what he tells us in his word. So listen to to what he says in Psalm 119, verse 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet, a light for my path. He's not talking about a flashlight. He's not talking about a beam. He's talking about first century light, and that is by candle power alone. And what he's saying is this, I'm only going to give you enough light for one step. That's all that a candle will show. And when you take that step in faith and trust in me, I'll then give you the next step. I'll then give you the next step. I'll then give you the next step. I want you to learn to trust me. So how do I know when to take the next step? Your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. God says, you go with what I tell you in my word, and you will always know the right direction to take. Listen to what Solomon writes in Proverbs chapter 2. The whole idea, Solomon was, the Bible says, the wisest man who ever lived outside of Jesus. And he writes the book of Proverbs. And listen to what Proverbs is about wisdom. And notice what he says in Proverbs chapter 2, verse 1, my son... If you will accept my words and store up my commandments within you. This is Solomon writing, but it's God speaking. Turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding. If you will call out for insight and cry it aloud for understanding. If you will look for it as silver and search for it as hidden treasure. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. And from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. Here is what the Bible is saying. Here's what God is saying to us. Look, I will give you wisdom if you open your heart to my word. If you will want my word. If you will search for my word. Like you would search for treasure. Like you would try to find silver. Like you would want this. You want this more than anything else in your your life. If you will love my word and put my word into your heart. Second of all, he holds the victory in store for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk 
whose walk is blameless, and he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. What is he saying? If you will open your heart to receive my word in your heart, and then you will live for me. If you will love me, if you will care about what I want you to do. Then he says, for wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. I want you to see what he says in verse 9. Then you will understand what is right and just and fair and every good path. Here's what he's telling us in the passage. If you'll open your heart and love my word and you will live for me, I will show you what is right and just and fair. Isn't that what we're, we're needing? God, what is the right way to go? What is the just way to go? What is the fair way to go? What is the path I need to walk? He says, I will pour my wisdom into your life. I will make sure if you will take my word in your heart, if you will love me so much you'll live for me, I will make sure you know the next step to take. I will give my wisdom to you. How should you treat your parents? What kind of person should you date and not date? How can you get along with others? How should you manage your money? How should you manage your time? How do you make friendships that last a lifetime? How do you restore a broken relationship? How should you treat your spouse? What is the right way to parent your children? How do you be the best employee at your job? How should you treat someone in authority over you? All these things and so much more are right in His Word. And He says, if you will take my word into your life, and you will open your heart to say, God, I love you, and I'm going to live for you. I will pour my wisdom into your life, and I will make sure you know the next step in your life. I will make sure you know what is right and fair and just in your life. I'll make sure of it. Now, let me share with you something that someone told me. I was 20 years old, and one day a guy said to me, Here's what you need to do, Mark. You want to be a wise man? Here's what you do. Take the book of Proverbs and read the chapter of Proverbs that corresponds with the day of the month. Today's the 23rd. Read chapter 23 of Proverbs. Shouldn't I start with Proverbs chapter 1? No, on March the 1st, you'll be there. But right now, just read chapter 23 of Proverbs. And as you're reading, he explained to me, as you're reading through that chapter of that day, don't try to go through everything that's in the chapter. It's too big. Just say to God, show me one thing that you want me to apply in my life today. Teach me one bit about what it means to be a wise person based upon chapter 23, one thing. The next month, you will be back at chapter 23. Take a second thing that you see in that passage. The next month, you'll be back at 23 and take another thing out of that chapter. Are you grasping what I'm saying? Read through. There's 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. Every day, read one chapter of Proverbs. And on that day, say, God, what is it that you want to show me today based upon this chapter in Proverbs? And here's what he said to me. If you'll start doing this, and every single month you'll read through the book of Proverbs, every month of this year, 
and next year and the next year and the next decade. And you'll keep reading one chapter from the book of Proverbs, which is about wisdom. One chapter from the book of Proverbs, and you will ask God, what is it this day you want me to grab hold of about wisdom, about what is the right decision? He said the most amazing thing will happen in your life. Over the course of time, you will become amazingly wise because you will build layer after layer after layer of wisdom. And here's what I'm saying to everyone in this room. The same thing is true on both of these rooms. The same thing is true in your life. If you will begin reading the book of Proverbs, one chapter a day, corresponding with the day of the month, and you will do it month after month after month, the most amazing transformation will happen in your life. He will show you who you're to date and not date. He will show you how to treat your parents. He will show you how to parent your children. He will show you how to manage your money. He will show you how to manage your time. It is the most amazing thing that will happen in your life. And over the course of the next year and the next five years and the next ten years, He will build layer after layer after layer of wisdom in your life. It has now been three decades plus since I began doing this, and it has been a blessing to me. What happens is God begins to actually show you His heart. He begins to show you His mind. And now you are saying, God, what decision should I make? And He will bring a verse of Scripture right back to your heart. He will give instant recall to you. I promise you, it will happen in your life. You can become amazingly wise over time if you will open your heart to the book of Proverbs. Now, Proverbs isn't the only book of the Bible. And so, read one chapter from Proverbs, and then read a chapter or more from another book of the Bible until you've read all the way through the Bible. Open your heart to the Word of God. God says, if you will love my Word, if you will open up your heart to hear my voice, to be able to know the heart of God, the mind of God, I will pour into your heart wisdom. Here's what's going to happen to you. You have brought in God's Word into your heart. You're striving to live for Him. And what God will do the moment you need the wisdom, He will point you in that direction. Maybe it is while you are having your quiet time today, all of a sudden it is the exact verse of Scripture you needed. And there is the answer you've been looking for. Or God will bring recall to your mind. Here is the answer for you. And you will know the will of God. I promise you, begin to do this. Every day we say, I'm not reading the Bible today. I don't have time to read the Bible today. Every day we say that, we are really saying, I don't want the wisdom of God. Every day we open the Bible and we begin to read it, we are opening our heart to the mind of God, to the wisdom of God. Now, here's what I want to suggest you don't do. Don't just say, okay, God, I haven't been spending any time in the Bible. I'm just going to open the Bible, I'm going to put my finger down, and whatever you tell me to do, that's what I'm going to do. Because you're going to open up the verse that says that Judas went and hung himself, and you do not want this. This is not the right way to do it. Open the Bible and begin to read God's Word, and the most amazing thing will happen to you. God will bring it back to your heart at just the moment you need it.
Hosea chapter 4 verse 6 says it this way, my people are damaged because they have a lack of knowledge about God. Begin to open your heart to the Word of God. And he says this, if you'll open your, word, your heart to my Word and you'll begin to follow me, I will make sure, I will make sure, for wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. I will direct your path. Second of all, the Bible teaches us that God gives us wisdom when we seek wise counsel. Listen to what he says in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 5. A wise person will hear and increase in learning, and a person of understanding will acquire wise counsel. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 22 says, Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. What is a wise counselor? A wise counselor is simply a person who maybe knows some part of the Bible that you don't know. And you go to that person, I have not been able to discern the will of God. He has not shown me his will. Would you help me? Here is the situation I'm going through. What does God's word say for me to do? A wise counselor is simply a person who may know more of the Bible than you know, who can point you in the direction to what God says that maybe you're not aware of. That's a wise counselor. The third principle is this. Third, God uses, gives to us wisdom through godly common sense. Godly common sense. It means that there is not a verse of Scripture about some issue that you are dealing with. Now, God, what is godly common sense? What, what is the direction that I should go? James chapter 3, in verses 14 to 16, describes worldly common sense. And then in verses 17 and 18, he describes godly common sense. So let's look and see what he says. In James chapter 3, verses 17 and 18, but the wisdom that comes from heaven, it's wisdom he's talking about, the wisdom that comes from heaven from God is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving. It is gentle at all times. It is willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and good deeds. It shows no partiality. It is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of goodness. I, I met early in my ministry and in my, in my life, I met people that use checklists well, if I walk through this checklist, if I walk through this checklist, I'll know the will of God. I really did not like checklists. And then I came to this passage of Scripture and realized this is a checklist. This passage of Scripture is actually a grid for decision-making. It is a grid for knowing the wisdom of God. So look at what it actually says. He is saying there are eight questions to ask yourself. When you are in the midst of making a decision, God, what you want means the world to me. I want to know your wisdom. I want to know your will. And he gives to us eight questions to ask. Question number one, what do you want? What is it you want to do? Start over again. Are we ready? Here we go. Just making sure that you're listening. Here we are. Is what you're wanting to do right in God's eyes? He uses the word pure. 
So as much as you know of the Word of God, does this line up? What you're wanting to do, does it line up with what God says? Uh, can I afford this? Is this? Will this be a good witness? Uh, will this bring me closer to God or further from God? Is this pure? Second of all, will it produce peace? Will this, in its long term, produce peace to go this way? Third of all, is it gentle and kind toward others, even your enemies, even people that don't like you, maybe you don't even like, but it is gentle and kind toward others? Is it willing to be open to other opinions? You may not choose the other opinion, but at least you're willing to hear the other opinion. Does it show mercy toward others? Is it doing something good for those who are impacted? If you make this decision, are there others who will have something good that happens in their life because you made the decision? Does it do good for them or ill? Is it impartial or is it an act of prejudice? And number eight, is it sincere and honest? Years ago, I took these eight questions, I typed them up, I printed it out, I lament, I cut it into a small piece, and then I laminated it and put it in my wallet. And over the years, I'm about to make a tough decision. I pull it out and I go through what is James' checklist. And as I go through the checklist, so many times God convicts me, don't go this way or do go this way. As I've opened my heart to go through that checklist. How do we know the will of God? How do we go the right direction? We bring the word of God into our heart. We begin to do what we know pleases him. And what God does, he says, I will make sure I will pour my wisdom into your heart so you know the right way to go. We go to other counselors who know more of the Word of God than maybe we do. What do you know God's Word says about this issue? I need your help. And third, we walk through in those times in which there is no verse for what we're about to deal with, we simply go through godly common sense. That checklist by James. I've done this in my life, and I'm here to tell you, I'm a witness of this, that God will lead you. He will never walk away from you. He will show you the right way to go. Now, do you know? Well, amen. It's true. So now my question to you, do you know Christ? Do you know God? You need his wisdom. You need the change he wants to bring in your life. It starts by you making the decision to give your heart to Christ. Would you do that today? Let's bow together for prayer. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you, Father, for the wisdom that you give to us. We ask, Father, that you would use this passage of Scripture in our life and heart today because we need it. We want to know, God, where are you leading me? But God, before we do anything, we've got to come to know you through your Son, Jesus Christ. You will not share your wisdom to anyone who rejects your Son. So, Father, I pray on all of our campuses today, Lord, would you move in hearts. And, Father, would there be some in every campus that today would say, I want Jesus in my life. May this be the day that so many who are listening to my voice would give their heart and life to Jesus Christ. May this be the day. 
And Father, I pray you'd move in hearts of those who know Christ as Savior. And here they are. And they are here at Sugar Creek Baptist Church today. And God, you are moving in their heart. This place just feels like home. And you're moving in their heart to join this church. God, for all of us, open our heart to your wisdom and help us to know which direction you're leading. Oh God, give us the wisdom that is beyond our years. Teach us your word and use your word to direct our path. And we pray this in Jesus' name today. Amen.